Welcome back, adventurer. Care for another story? One of a hero's triumph against darkness? A dragon's journey of self-discovery? Or perhaps two souls' quests to find unity? Well, pull up a chair and have a listen. Everybody and welcome to the RPG Show. My name is Brent. I'm your host. With me today, I have two titans of terror. First up, we have Nick. I hate four-letter character limits, Gantner. Uh, I was waiting for you to ask how I'm doing, but great. That, that's fantastic. Next up, we have Kevin. Four mutants and a robot. I can't say it. Let's just move on. How you doing, man? Good, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, we know Kevin is Cujo on the forums. I'm sure we... I think we've read a couple of his questions from the forums here on the show before. And he's here to talk about this lovely little thing. Nick, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about the Final Fantasy Legend. So that's... The Final Fantasy is the first one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on the Game Boy. Yep. Uh, Blaine and James just did a review for the second one. We're doing the first one. This was the first game in the Saga series, actually, which is something I learned uh, before. Yeah, I mean, before. I mean, now. I didn't know before. Whatever. I played this a lot before as a Before you started the game. There the we go. That's what I'm looking for. I played all three, uh, the, at least the three on the Game Boy. I played those a lot as uh, a kid, so I was pretty familiar with this shiznat um so before we get into talking about that like i do every time we have a new guest on the show um cujo i'm just gonna call you cujo through the show because that's whatever that's just how we're gonna how roll we know with this. that's that's how we're gonna roll with this because we're we're really flying off the cuff the cuff today um this is second show in a row where i've just been super prepared <laughs> um uh no uh what is your meat cute if you will like your uh your RPG history. Um, I pretty much grew up on RPGs, like since I can remember. Um, when I was like five or six, maybe four or five, my dad brought home the Nintendo and had Mario Brothers on it, and then he got Dragon Warrior, and I remember watching him play that. <clears throat> I really remember watching him play Dragon Warrior Two because the uh, the part where you're you get the prince and he's a dog. I remember that part. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I really got into RPGs probably like around 6th grade, maybe 5th grade, 6th grade, when uh, Final Fantasy VI came out. That was like, I mean, I played other ones before, but I didn't really understand what was going on and all that kind of stuff, you know. And um, that game just, I was, I played that game over and over, and um, I, it just got me into uh, to that, and then 
right after that, I think Earthbound came out, and it was like a one-two punch. And after that, I just played every RPG I could find. Oh, so, wow. and then cool. um, leading up into that, like Final Fantasy VII was coming out, and I, I mean, I, I stayed up all summer, bought a PlayStation just so I can play Final Fantasy VII because I love Final Fantasy VI so much. And yeah, I've been playing RPGs ever since that. Oh, cool. So, uh, rather storied history. All right, so as we do, for those who are new here, if this is your first episode, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> as we, we break this some bitch down into one, two, three, four, five, six categories, we're just going to give them a rating, one through five. Half scores are allowed because Nick's a douchebag. And uh, that's basically it. We'll summarize our experience in each of those categories and discuss the game as such. Look, you're free to not use half scores, all right? Well, since you started, I might as well, too. I'm just saying, you know... Like, we can go into tenths if you like. No, just fuck off, <laughs> all right? Just keep moving. All right, Um. so... Gameplay. So this game, while it's a Final Fantasy title, the battle system, while turn-based, isn't very um, typical Final Fantasy um, as far as uh, the uh, how characters advance and how equipment is used and lost. And there's only so many uses on each equipment and spell. Uh, there are three types of characters that you can create in your starting party because when you start off you get essentially uh four characters to choose from blank slates and they can be humans mutants or monsters um it's a quick question was uh is the gameplay like the same in the other like final fantasy legends or is it changed too um final fantasy the final fantasy legend um is the final fantasy legend 2 um, the one that Blaine and James just did the review on, um, it adds another type to it. So it adds uh, robot, I think, is a thing because uh, they they add. But it's it's essentially very because like we said, it's the first game in the saga series. So it kind of is the uh, like the launching point for that sort of growth system where. Uh, That's all of the saga games are like. Um, I'm not. For- are they I can probably explain that better. So okay, yes. they, I Please think they do. adopted that from Final Fantasy 2, where in that game you used the same kind of system where you defend, you took damage, you got your health up, and defense um, up, you did damage, you, did, you got your attacks tied up or whatever. Yeah, but the only character that advances like that in this game is the mutant. Yes, yeah, so I think, I don't know which came first, I don't know exactly what happened, but the first three Legend games, I haven't played them. But uh, starting from the first Saga Frontier is where I first played the Saga games. Uh, in that particular game, uh, I know we're not doing the Saga Frontier review, but it's got like eight characters you can choose from whose storylines you actually play through. But each character in the game, there's a bunch of different like uh, like species. Like there's humans, monsters, robots, uh, magicians, superheroes, all kinds of shit. Um, but every character can i think uh equip weapons and armor you get skills and abilities you learn unlearn reassign um and each race i believe is locked into specific abilities like you can only learn certain things if you can use swords if you're a robot you learn certain things this way if you're a monster you eat meat still kind of thing um but the stats are exactly the same for everybody so everybody levels up the same way you take damage you get hp and defense you do damage you get it attack up you use magic you get magic up blah 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 blah. so that's where this crap comes from 
Yes, and um, so in this game, um, essentially the human characters, their stats go up by via buying these little stat chips, essentially, that you give to them that increase the stat that you purchased. Um, and humans have the highest cap on stats in the game, and they gain abilities and uh, attacks and stuff by, equi- by equipment. So it all comes from equipment. Um, mutants will... Uh, they very much like Nick said, mutants gain strength by attacking with a strength weapon, agility with agility weapon, HP by taking hits, like the, that sort of thing. Um, they can increase stats very quickly, but they cap at a much lower point than humans do. There's then, something I found out about that though after doing some research. Mm-hmm. So, the game makes it look like you're doing certain things and that's giving the mutants specific stats, okay. but it's actually purely random. Okay. Cause some guy hacked the game is, I guess his name was Alex Johnson or Alex Johnson or something. I guess he hacked the game, got the code and it's like, there's like a 46.5% chance that nothing happens after the fight. And then it's like a 10% chance you get a certain I stat, 10% see. chance with this. That makes uh, sense. Like, Cause like my mutant wasn't getting hit a lot, but he certainly had a whole, whole lot of health. So I, I just I assumed he was getting hit because I was playing at like triple speed sometimes when I was just farming. So like I was just assuming he was getting hit and I wasn't. Seeing okay. It. Yeah. Cause the actual percentages are matched up with what they predict you'll do. So it's like a 7% chance of getting something and then like 16% chance of attacking its strength or whatever. Okay. So like, you would realistically be doing these kind of things. It would kind of reflect that you matched up with it, but it's purely random. So okay. Um, and then monsters are um, their progression system is based on feeding them meat. So when you defeat an enemy, they drop meat, and you can feed it to the monster, and it'll change them um, to another monster. And um, at the end of the game, the monsters aren't quite as powerful, but you can get certainly get very powerful monsters early on and through sort of like the middle area of the game, which is, it's, it's a very short game, so beginning, middle, and end is very sort of loosely defined, but um, they, they come in tiers, and like so, and then you feed them one thing, they turn into another, and you can sort of try and get um, something that has like an elemental bent or uh, creature type um, based on the meat you're feeding them. So um, if you go with monsters, I recommend using a, following a chart. Um, the chart sucks though. Um, there, there are they can be hard to follow. I recommend finding a good chart. <laughs> um, but it, it, they, they're certainly hard to follow because it's, it's sort of like, all right, what sort of classification of monster are they now, and what are you feeding them, and sort of what level, quote unquote, level of meat it is. So it's, um, it, it can be difficult. But it can be abused early on. Um, my team was two humans, a mutant, and a monster. Um, Kuja, what what was your team? Uh, the same. Two humans, a mutant, and a monster. All right. Nick, what about you? Four humans. Four humans. Did you run into a problem with, like, with like gold as far as, like, upgrading them, or...? Yeah, just nothing grinding you can't fix, though. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. There is a lot of grind. Stuck at the beginning where you have to grind forever just to get any gold. Yeah. You, keep in mind, I've played MMOs for a long-ass time, specifically <laughs> Korean MMOs. So if you're not grinding for 10 hours for 10 gold pieces, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and, and this game is pretty uh, pretty bad about like the level of grinding that is required um, to sort of get over certain difficulty humps because I'll flat out say it now, this game can be outright difficult at times. Um, 
simply due to like the I guess it's just sort of like it's just a hard natured game like you know so everything has a limited number of uses um there's not a whole lot of like you know sometimes you can you'll run into a guy that'll just kick your ass and that's the way it is uh I didn't find it overly difficult because I do enjoy a challenge but I do think it is a smidge difficult um and essentially the way the game breaks down is you we'll get into it in story but essentially you're going like world to world to world um chasing after these 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 bad dudes or fighting these bad dudes um and uh there are a few things that i would consider like quality of life problems but i sort of let go due to the fact that it is it is a game boy game and it's an old game boy game at that like it's not like end of life cycle for game boy this is um, what was the release date on this this thing? Nineteen nineteen ninety. Yeah, nineteen ninety, and that's that's pretty early in the Game Boy's life cycle. When was the Game Boy come out? Like eighty eight, eighty nine, something like yeah. that. Um, eighty nine. So this is uh, really early in the Game Boy's life cycle. So, but there are things like so when you fight multiple monsters of one type, instead of there being multiple icons on the screen, like there's a number next to the monster to indicate how many of them them are there. Um, and I didn't realize that at first. Year. I was like, "What the heck? <laughs> he's still alive? Why? Oh, wait, that was another one." Um, it's like he's dead. Is there a glitch? Yeah. So uh, there are uh, a fair amount of glitches in the game as well, um, and also something that I found was interesting: each character only has three lives, so they can only die three times and be resurrected at the dude. Um, that was you could buy more hearts though. Yeah. Get for ten thousand gold pieces. Who the fuck got that kind of money? I know. You just like the grind, though. Yeah, just... I do. You just got to be good enough to not let your characters die. That's all. <laughs> that's the trick: is don't let them die. <laughs> do or not. just save all the time and just restart. There, there's yes, you got to do that. You that works do, too. You got to do a lot of saving, a lot of not letting characters die. Um, I feel like that's part of the design choice of this game because it's a portable game, and yes. you can have the option to save wherever you want. So, like, fuck it, they can save scum. We'll make it as hard as we, we want. And it's sort of like it does feel like it is meant to be put down and just picked up for maybe an hour at a time. Like you, you get in, you play, you do a few battles, maybe you go like you get to the next town. Like it's obvious when you play it in a stretch that it is not meant to be played in a stretch. It is meant to be broken up and just kind of like do your thing, uh, you know, I think I read um, an interview with the creator who said that he the idea behind the game, the concept, was to have something that you can play on a train ride or on an mm-hmm. airplane ride for a little bit, like get a couple battles in and then go on your day. And that is painfully obvious due to the absurd uh, encounter rate in this game. Uh, there's a lot of encounters. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, though... As far as gameplay is concerned, I really had way more fun than I expected because, like I said, I've played the first three. I played them a lot as a kid. I had them all for the Game Boy. I still have them in a box over there somewhere. And uh, I always played two and three more. Like, I had one, but I, I loaded it up. And I'm like, man, I ain't got robots. Like, this looks, like, old. I don't, like, I'd always, I wouldn't play it very long. And plus, it was, in my opinion, it's the hardest of the three. So, like, you know, as a kid, I'm like, fuck that. Why would I do that? And I'd stuck with uh, two or three. So, um, I remember really disliking this. And I playing it this time, 
I have to say, you know, I really enjoyed myself, um, especially considering, you know, I look at it, I'm like, this game came out in, you know, 1990. This game's, you know, is old by RPG Older standards. Older than you. Or not quite as old as you are, by one year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 I'm almost, as, or it's almost as old as me. But, uh, I mean, so, it is, it's an old game, especially by RPG standards, and, I found the experience over, overly pleasant, and that might be due to the uh, length of the game, since the game is, is a short game, and you can kind of get through it in a relatively short period of time, so it's not a whole hell of a lot of an investment there. But, um, I don't know, I just had a ton of fun. Um, what do you guys, uh, Kuja, what do you think about the gameplay in, in this title? Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like they could totally remake this into an awesome game, like or like uh, 3DS or something, where... Like they take all the concepts that are good and have like a you know decent storyline and the same kind of stuff with the monsters eating the meat and everything and you know even though it was grindy I kind of liked the grindiness of it where it was like it pays off because you can just go buy a whole bunch of like hit points or strength for your guy and then they're badasses after that you know it's not random. Yep. What about you, Nick? Uh, I'll say that I expected less going into this. Like I was like I from remembering playing Game Boy games are pretty bare bones and basic, uh, but the game was surprisingly decent. It was playable. Like I wasn't like blown away by it, but I was I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean I I I think I'm with you on that. I expected like you can you sort of underestimate the game because the systems are relatively well developed for a Game Boy game because like you know we're not talking about like a a Super Nintendo card or a disc for a PS1. This is a fucking Game Boy game. And well, it was also like typical Game Boy games were like a one trick pony. Like you had like side scrollers or you had like puzzle mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. you didn't really have something that needed to have a bunch of different coding and ways to manage what you're seeing on the screen and, and mm-hmm. actually using the memory of the, the cartridge and all that crap. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking like it's got three unique um, progression systems in it in one game in a Game Boy, and I find that uh, incredibly impressive. Um, Nick, what are some things that worked for you about the gameplay of this game? Uh, well, considering I only played humans, uh, I liked the fact that I could control the uh, progress of my characters. Like, I wasn't limited to randomization or having to look up some chart and keep a chart on hand and hope to God that I found the monster that I wanted to get and all that kind of stuff. I knew what I was going to do. I, all I had to do was put in the work for it, and I got the results that I wanted, which is fantastic for me. I like that. Um, I liked the fact that there was there a variety in the worlds. It wasn't just, oh, there's like this kind of big overarching thing, well, until the end of the game, but like there wasn't this big overarching thing where everything was the same, and you're just fighting the constant same big bad. You got some variety, like you're fighting three kings, then you're in like some different world where you're on like some boats and shit, there's pirates. Then, like, you're in, like, an industrial place, and there's, like, this nuclear holocaust place, and, like, some kind of Japanese samurai ninja-ish shit, and then, like, there's, like, flying demon birds and all this kind of stuff, and it was, uh, it was always something new, even though some of it was better than other parts of it, but I guess we'll get to that later, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I didn't mind the durability of the weapons, I thought it was alright, I also like that some items, 
uh, depending on how much durability they had, were either better or worse. It actually made an impact on whether you should keep this item in your inventory or not. The only thing I disliked was shields, because fuck that. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about you, Kujo? What are some things that worked for you in uh, the gameplay of this game? I, I like that um, if you have like a party of different... Um, like I had a party of everyone, and... In the beginning of the game, the mutant was the best. He was super powerful because he could just, you know, grind. He just go up the ladder of um, all his power and all that stuff. And then, you know, you kind of even in World One, you can get your uh, your monster pretty powerful, and he's kind of like your second. And then, and then as you go up to um, World Two, like your humans still kind of suck, and you, you you know you're getting them stronger and stronger. And then towards the World Four, your humans are you know the best, and your, your monster sucks pretty much. But I like that it it changes like everything for a game made nineteen ninety like there's a lot of different things that has going on for it like it's not stale it doesn't like stay the same it's always different I mean it's absurdly hard in points where it's like I don't know how you would figure it out without a guide or you mean besides like days and di- like months and months of uh, just picking it up and putting it back down again which I guess it's what's supposed to be but. Um, I did like that whole variety and everything's changing and and then how you can control the humans and all that kind of stuff. So it was it had a lot of good stuff going for it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of right in the same boat. I did enjoy um, the fact that the humans kind of turned gold into like a status, like a stat point buy system where I can see how um, where humans are great. Uh, like the one mutant, like, you know, since me and Kuji played the same party, like that mutant serves you really well early on um, to sort of get the party through that early hump um grinding and then the monster like if this even though the the like itself like the monster always can be kind of lackluster if you don't find a really strong monster really good meat early on and you kind of like plan it like that system as a progression system is fun to me um the idea of you have this creature following you around and depending on what you feed it it turns into something else with other abilities um that was really fun, even if it wasn't the most optimal. Um, the like you guys said, the the constant like change was really rewarding, and the like while grindy, it did feel like you were making progress. Like uh, you wouldn't grind. It's not like you could, would grind for an hour and then feel like you got nothing out of it. You would grind for an hour and you would come out substantially more powerful in almost every every time you you'd sit down to grind for a period of time so um i did really like that some things i didn't like i didn't like how the mutant abilities were assigned like you could lose a really good ability to pick up on a a shitty ability um some of like i didn't like the monster stacking thing but you get used to that um another good thing about monsters is like if you're low on like whatever, like you used up all your abilities, you just eat another meat and you have everything re- re- replenished. Yeah. yeah, there's that. Um, you gotta be uh, careful what you're eating though, right? So your big ass strong monster just like gets dropped down twenty tiers to like some weak ass shit. Which is no. Once once you're on level thirteen or whatever, you can't go down. So you, whatever you eat, you just go to a different level thirteen monster. So you just get different abilities. Yeah, but that's end game. At the beginning of the game, if you don't really know what you're doing, like even mid game, and you accidentally eat something because you really need it. Then all that work you put into that monster is just gone. Yeah. You have to find more meat. Uh, Get back know, up to where you were. I think it all comes down to you have to be like you have to be smart with the monster. 
like the monster can do you well, but you have to be, you know, you have to be really smart about it. Um, I, you know, it's hard to think of other things that I didn't particularly care for. Um, what about you, Nick? What are some things you didn't care for as far as gameplay is concerned? Well, along with you, the mutants and the monster, there's, there's specifically, I went into this game a little bit research before I started playing it. I was like, I hate randomization. Don't want to do that. And then the fact that you can lose abilities on a whim, not not for me. Having to babysit the monster, not really my cup of tea. Um, in gameplay, the only things I could really think of that kind of bothered me were just limitations of the hardware. Uh, I picked mainly four humans to have access to the expanded inventory because mm-hmm. I hate being limited on not being able to have enough of an inventory space for the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things I didn't like were that shields just blocked, but you had to act. You had to have priority over the enemies, otherwise it was a waste of time. But that happens in some of the games. Doesn't mean I particularly like it in those games as well. Um, I mean, that's about it for gameplay. There's other stuff that I'm going to dock points later on for other shit. I guess I guess we'll count in gameplay the fact that a lot of the shit isn't really explained properly where to go. Like in World Two. It's like, up oh, you're here, kind of, you have your own, like, the, I appreciate the game gives you your own, like, initiative, like, you have to figure out what you're doing, but they could have given something. Especially, especially when, you know, it, in the process It all of, looks the same. Especially in the process of finding where you're supposed to be, you could easily have 120 encounters before you even found the dude, find the dude you're supposed to talk to in the town. Exactly. Across the bridge, across the other thing, so... Um, what about you, Kuja? What are some things that did not work for you as far as gameplay is concerned? Yeah, you said, uh, Nick said a lot of them that I feel, um, but that monster is leveling off. Like, you can't really, after you get to a certain point, they're just done. Um, the shields, yeah, they suck. There's really no point for them. The, the mutants, like you're saying, with all the slots, like, you only have really room for armor and one weapon, unless you just don't have armor on them. Um, and then, like, the you have an awesome spell, and then the next time you go into battle, it's gone, or everything's gone. I hated that. Um, and then, yeah, not knowing, like, where to go sometimes. Like, I th- like that whole power plant where it's just, like, I don't I don't know what to do without you. Like, I don't know how you would figure that out without a guide. Like, that thing was just crazy. <laughs> Are we ready to score this bitch? Yeah, sure. All right, so for gameplay, Kuja, uh, what are you going to give it? Uh, gameplay, it was pretty fun, so I'll give it a four. All right. Uh, Nick, what about you? Um, I will give it a three. That's going to be the things that worked, worked well, that worked okay, but there was just too much quality of life crap missing, in my opinion. Yeah. Um... I, I understand the limitations of the hardware and everything, but it's still, if you're playing it now, like back then, maybe it would have been like a four, four point five, but now it's just kind of like, eh. You know, um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you on that one. I think what they did to fit in extra stuff in this game, as far as the some of the quality of life stuff, like I think was really clever. Like the idea of making the monsters in stacks that way um, they didn't have to render all those images on the screen is a really clever alternative to get around like memory and that kind of thing. Um, so you know, I'm more forgiving in it. So I think I'm with I'm gonna stay with Cujo on this one and give it a four. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the story. Nick, why don't you explain the story of this game just a smidge for me? Sure. All right. So practically the plot of the game is you and three of your companions are going to the magical mythical tower 
where you know that if you get through, apparently you know you can go to paradise when you reach the top of the, the tower or whatever. Uh, but you get there and you, you find out the door's locked, so you have to find the sphere to open the door to go inside and get up to the next level. And you pretty much are exploring four different worlds as you go up the tower and you collect a sphere from each one because it's been taken by various uh, people that, or creatures that are going to be your uh, adversaries. you got to destroy them, take the sphere, and you get to the top, and uh, you fight the creator of the universe, or the world, all of them, uh, and he promises to give you your wish because you're the only person that made it there, uh, or the only group of people, whatever, depending on who, how many people you have with you. Uh, and then you and your party are like, now we don't need your wish. We we don't want to have anything from this cruel god or whatever. So you fight the creator. Uh, you kill him, and you have the opportunity to uh, go into another doorway and find out what is beyond and see paradise. And everybody's like, no, nah, we're just going to go back home. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, that's that's that. I mean, uh, it's... it's um. But there is, like, there's meat to the story when you're on each planet. Like, not each planet, but each, I guess, realm. Yeah, kind Like, the of. first realm has three kings. you got to find the three weapons, or the three pieces of equipment that the hero statue had, put it back on the statue, and then you go up to the next realm. And then the next one has, it's one of the pirates. Uh, and you got to go, like, underground into, like, under the seafloor, right? Yeah. And no. grab the sphere from there. And the next one up, shit. I'm with you on that. Each each world felt distinct and it felt like it had something going on, but um, I'm not. I wasn't in exactly enthralled with with any of it. Um, like it all just kind of felt like generic fantasy quest one than generic fantasy quest two. Um, but I mean, it's not not to say that it's bad. It just wasn't. Uh, it didn't. It didn't keep my attention. Like there was a lot of. All right, wait. What What am I doing again? I'm not entirely sure, and that could be at the fault of the game not giving me any direction and constantly reminding me what I'm up to. Um, but I don't know. I, I, you know, Kuja, how'd you feel about the story? I felt it was more like an outline than a story. Like it had like the skeleton of a story, but it wasn't real. I mean, I guess for a game from 1990, you can't really expect that much. Like it had, like you can make it into a good story, I feel, but like, yeah, there wasn't really much there. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is where they get the kind of Saga Frontier formula from because they use a lot of different stories in their game. And this one had a couple of different stories. Each world you were on had a different story to it in, in reference to the overarching plot of the game, which was to get to the top of the tower. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, and there's not necessarily, like I said, it's, you know, it is, it's a game for the Game Boy. So, I mean, I can only fault it for so much for not having like this this in-depth uh story but at the same time like uh you know um the, if everything else is it's like they didn't have much room for all the text and everything that it really needed and that's i, I guess that's fair the second one i feel has more story to it than than this one does um with the magi and all that kind of stuff but um so nick what are some things that what basically what worked for you and what didn't work for you in the story here Okay. Uh, what worked for me was the variety. Um, each place you went had a different like theme. Like there was feudal, medieval era. There was like futuristic. 
Uh, there was like Asian or whatever, and then he had like post-apocalyptic and stuff, and that was kind of cool. Um, I like that some of the places they had, even though it wasn't the best like motivation and plot drive, there was some like event going on, whether you got there in the middle of it or at the beginning of it, and you got to meet some different characters and learn a little bit about them. Um, the overarching plot at the if I had played this at the game's release where there was some creator that was just playing a game to entertain itself, I was like, Oh, that's a unique concept. I've never seen that before. And then everybody's used it since. So it's kinda like I'm like, oh, this is this kind of thing again. Um That it's a it's that's a tried and true Square Enix trope now. Yeah. Like definitely. Almost every game has something like that. Um I mean that's really it for the good, for the bad, for the plot. There was as y'all were saying, it's not engaging. It's and even the characters don't seem engaged in what's happening. They're driven mainly to get whatever spheres there is. Like on World Three, though, it's kind of weird because your character's going from having a sense of agency in the previous, uh, like worlds, to being like you get there and the creator's like, "Hey, you should be a guard for the the king or whatever." And then, like somebody, the king's like, "Hey, you should go save my daughter." And then da- the daughter's like, "Hey, you should go save my sister." And then and then it's like oh, you should do this and that, as opposed to, it's kind of jarring from previously, you were making your own decisions, like, hey, I'm going to kill the Sword King first, and then I'll go to the other guy, and then I'll go to the other guy, and go to the tower, yeah. or the second world, I'm going to explore wherever I want, kind of do whatever I want until I find the sphere. It was just kind of jarring, and it, it was also short. I think it was the shortest world. Well, it's also, it's like, you know, you always, most games you start saving the pet pig, and you go to saving the world. In this game, you're kind of like, you know, this high up important person. Then you go save the pig. Like, it, it was, I get what you're saying. Like, it's kind of a step down in terms of what you should be spending your time doing. Yeah. So, I mean, really, that's it. It wasn't much to go off of. Like, you're all saying it's just a skeleton or framework. So, all right. Do you have anything uh, to add to either of those points there, Kuja? Nope. That pretty much sums up what I was thinking, too. I'm right there, which I think I think uh, I think I think Nick covered story pretty well. I mean, it's what I was gonna say. There is one little cool side quest, like in the tower, where there's this one little realm where they don't have any water, and then you go to up a couple floors, and this place is flooded, and you um, you empty out, you get the garbage out of the gut, like all the drain or something. And you fall down, and then you get like uh, get some good gear out of it, which is I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I, you know, I like that they did build a unique world in each of these different uh, worlds. That each felt like there is something happening there. Like you're not just walking into a dead world as heroes, and then you kind of kick up the dirt as you come in through the door, kind of thing. Like they each ha- each have their own thing happening that you become involved in, you know, via your presence there, or through the creator, or what have you. Um, but you know, that's, that's about the only plus I can really give the story. So, uh, if I were to score it, like I'm probably only going to give it a two and a half. What about you, Nick? You're more generous to me. I'm giving it a two. Two. All right. Kujo, where you at? I mean, I, for 1990, I'd say it was a three. Like if it was now, it'd be a one. So I guess I'll head in the middle and do a two. All right. All right, so now we covered plot. Now we talk about music. Um, and I'll just, you know, there's not a whole lot to say about music because the, the chip on the Game Boy, you know, was oh. it was good, but they it all kind of ends up sounding the same. 
um, because I was uh, I recently went back and was playing around with uh, some of the old Pokemon games, and I was like, wait a second, this sounds like the world theme from Final Fantasy Legend. Um, so, like, they all kind of end up around the same because it's you know that eight bit. Uh, 12, I don't know how many bits it is. I'm not pretending like I do. Um, yeah, Nicole said something similar. I was playing and she was in the back room. She's like, are you playing Pokemon right now? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's just the, it's that, it's that I'm, we're going on adventure music with the Game Boy. It's the best the Game Boy can do for that. So, but I mean, so, I mean, it had some ups, it had some downs. Um, You know, I'll just jump to score it. I'll probably, you know, for on the Game Boy for an early title, it wasn't terrible. So I'll give it a three. What about you, Nick? Uh, I'll also give it a three. I'll say there was some that was kind of catchy, but nothing ultimately memorable. So All right. I definitely wouldn't listen to it in my free time. All right. What about you, Kuja? Uh, I have a little bit of bias because I had the game, like the original Game Boy when it came out, and I hated the Game Boy music then. So um, I'm giving it a two. And I'm being nice. <laughs> like, I, I had to, I had to turn it off. I could not. I cannot stand that Game Boy music. It, it when I was a kid. I, I mean, I played hours and hours. I could, I mean, I had to turn it off all the time. So. Oh wow! I didn't. I didn't really feel that bad about it. Like you know, I think I think it was tolerable. Um. So, moving on to visuals now. Um, Kujo, how'd you feel about the visuals in this game? I mean, I thought they were fine. I'm, I guess I'm not too harsh or critic on visuals because it. I saw what I needed to see and it got me where I need to go. The only part, like, like towards the end, some of like where you had to like that one power plant where you're just going through walls and stuff. I, I, I couldn't stand that. But uh, I mean, I thought it was okay. All right, what about you, Nick? Uh, I will say it's probably some of the best looking, I guess, sprite work for Game Boy that I've seen. Okay. Like I like a lot of the animation, or like not the animations, but the designs of some of the monsters, the the characters. Obviously, there was stuff to be lacking. Like there was a lot of white space. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's I kind of understand because the hardware limitations and they needed to fit a bunch of worlds in this place. And what better way to do that than just have white backgrounds and shit stuff shove shit on top of it? Um. The only thing, like, I'm not going to give it, like, a perfect score or nothing out of that, but because it's obviously not perfect, but I think it, they did really good for what they had. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed some of the sprite work. My, you know, my only thing is I could notice where they were trying to fit details into that because they obviously had a very rigid square that they were going by based on size. And some of the monsters and some of their poses were like, okay, it's very obvious that you're trying to fit this bitch in that square. Because you know how, like, they're supposed to be really tall, but they're kind of got that, like, front sideways hunch. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of curled up on themselves. So they fit in that square. Um, you know, but that's not a problem unique to this game. That's just a, you know, um, that's just a problem that happens. And, you know, I'm with you, Nick. There's a lot of white space. And they I think they kind of try and justify it in the stories in each of these games where it's, like, these floating worlds on top of nothingness to justify having nothing beyond, like, the walls of wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um and you know some of the you know overworld sprites were kind of you know I'm not a fan of the short sprites just in general um I find they sort of unless done right they can really it's really hard to interpret what that's supposed to be sometimes 
So if I were to score the visuals in this game, you know, I think, I think I'm being generous with a three, and I think that's about as high as I can give it. Um, Cujo, uh, I'll give it a four. I mean, I'm not a harsh critic on visuals, so I thought everything showed me what I need to see, and I used my imagination for the rest. I guess. So. Yeah. All right. What about you, Nick? I'll give it a four as well. Uh, like I said, I thought. They, what was there they had was pretty good. There were occasions where you had to, like, there was some confusion, like, what the hell exactly am I looking at? But that was kind of not a big deal to me. So. All right. Um, so next category is Nick's favorite category, replayability. Um, and I'll start off here, and I'll I'll say that I think this game is highly replayable, um, and that's due to the um, customizable party composition and that each of the you know, monster, mutant, human, while some might, you know, human might be the best, you can still play with the other ones and, and try different party, party comps and that you can, you know, the game is intended to be played in short spurts. You can pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. Um, you know, like that quote unquote, you know, train ride home kind of play style. And I think that's fine. And I think that really lends itself to, being able to be played through more than once plus it's a relatively short game um so it's not a ton of investment there so it's going to get a 4.5 out of replayability from me um nick what about you well you're gonna be surprised Brent. am i oh yeah uh i would say that this game is the most replayable game we've played yet oh uh that being because you are the game. Well, there's a couple of reasons. The game is short. At the very beginning of the game, you're presented with the option to optimize or make your party however however you want, uh, as opposed to waiting until you get a, a certain point in the game and then you choose your characters and blah 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 blah. Uh, this also promotes a like a mentality where you can speed run, you can do challenge playthroughs, you can do like I'll just I want to maximize my characters' abilities type of playthroughs. Uh, you can make it really hard on yourself to do four monsters, do four espers, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. And uh, I've, so I feel like this offers the most replayability of anything we've ever played. Obviously, the story doesn't matter that much. It's just about getting through the game kind of things. So I will also give it a 4.5. All right. Cujo, where are you at? Yeah, this is, I think, one of those games you can just pick up if you're bored or, like, like you're saying, like on a plane ride or train ride or whatever and play it again or if you're just bored and just want to kill some time so you can play you can play at any time so yeah i'm gonna give it a five actually so good for you good for you all right so now we talk about our overall experience and like i say every episode um my overall experience is a expectations versus reality kind of thing what do i think i'm going to be playing when i go in and how do i feel coming out um, and that I think the experience for this one was really pleasant because again it was a short game I was able to knock it out you know um, really early and you know have time to already start on the next Breath of Fire game so that in you know the you know I was worried that it was gonna suck it was gonna be this grindy mess of slogged bullshit and it actually ended up being fun like I enjoyed myself um, for you know most of it and that's about all I can say as far as my overall experience. I think the game you know, looked great for what it was, sounded okay for what it was, and played pretty pretty great. Um, so overall experience was a four for me. Um, Cujo? 
Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought, like you were saying, it was going to be a grind and it was not going to be fun. It was just going to be, you know, point A, point B, grind. Do, you know, but it was everything was like they change it up on you. You can there's a lot of things. So I'm actually going to give it a five because I did not expect to enjoy it, and I really did. Yep. All right, Nick. What about you? Man, this is awkward for me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever scored anything lower than y'all before, or than at least you. Yeah. Shit. Uh, okay, so my overall experience with this was I had heard uh, and read and whatever that it was kind of a, a lackluster thing. It wasn't like, oh, it's not Final Fantasy, oh, blah, blah, blah. And having my tainted experiences with Soccer Frontier, uh, I was kind of like going into this like, yeah, this would be a fucking train wreck. Um, but I will say that I did enjoy it. I actually was able to sit down, like, cause it's not a long game. I was able to sit down and enjoy it instead of having to rush through it, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. But it's still, it shows its time. Definitely. Like it shows its age. Oh, she is not aged. Well, I mean, if, no. we, if we brought it forward and compared it to like modern games, like, I don't think it would score nearly as well for me. But, you know, I, I take it in its context as, as, as what it is. And I, I think for what it does, it's it's great. But you continue. Um. So, yeah, I mean, what I expected, what I got was a bit more. I I got an enjoyable experience. I won't say that. I, I don't know if I ever played again. But it was definitely a unique experience. And it definitely was enjoyable for the most part. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. All right. Well, I think that does it um, as far as our scores. Um, first up, I'd like to thank you for being on the show, Cujo. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I'm not um, going to thank you, though. Um, besides, all that, besides all that Skype crap if, we had to go through. <laughs> if, if you want to comment on Cujo's Skype game, you can do that over at our forums because he's, he's a constant contributor over there, and we appreciate that. Um, before I pull up the beautiful, beautiful Sky music... Um, our buddies, Blaine and James, just started their new show, Video Games the Movie. Um, please be sure to go listen to their first episode. Their pilot episode's about Wing Commander. Um, it's actually really funny. It's a good time. Um, leave them a rating and review. See if we can't get them uh, some notice that guy there. They're the coolest guys on the internet, except for everyone on this podcast right now. So, um, And everybody else on the internet. And everyone, that's not nice. Be nice, bro. Be nice. Be nice. I almost repeated what you said without paying attention to what you're talking about because I'm an idiot. But a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sky music. So you can visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. You can visit our forums. They're there. Talk to Cujo. Tell him he sucks and that, you know, you would like to suck on him, if you know what I mean. All right. Be sure to leave us a rating and review. <laughs> leave us. <laughs> Leave us a rating review on iTunes. Each one counts, and we love you for it. You can send us an email, podcast at therpgshow.com. Oh, boy. I don't know. There's other things. Make sure you listen to the Is It Worth It uh, show, part of the Retro RPG podcast feed. That's where Blaine and James do their thing, talking about games and if they're worth their cost. Um, yeah. Uh, Forget to ask if we can masturbate to it, and I was going to say yes. Uh, I didn't do quick fire questions this time because I was – woefully un- underprepared I apologize we'll get you on the next the next masturbation question but until next time say goodbye everybody bye everybody bye well that was that was that that was a show that was a show <laughs> <laughs>